0: Welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, a part of the Incomparable uh, Podcast Network. I'm Trishy Mattson.
1: And I'm David Schaub.
0: And today we're going to be talking about Season 4, Episode 14 of Supergirl, Stand and Deliver. And David, can you take it away with the recap?
1: The elite try to kill Ben, but the super friends capture them one by one. Had and Manchester disagree, which should have led to Manchester's death, but their argument disappeared off screen. Manchester gets under John's skin and escapes with tech stolen from the Fortress of Solitude that has bad security and no Kellex. Alex gets tasked with guarding Ben. Alex does it well by manhandling Ben before he inspires more killing. Dreamer is really into her costume while tracking down the Elite. Supergirl tells her to be less aggressive, but John gets to be super aggressive. Brainy has a new secret identity, the activist American Alien. Unlike Alex, his work seems quite compromised, but he isn't caught and Haley seems strangely nice. Quinton, the bigoted bureaucrat, is saved by Supergirl, and is later lectured by her, but finally the reality of violence inspires him to change. Catco digs into Lena's black budget. Eve knows PR and tries to tell Lena, but Lena is too busy being pressured by Haley for ten seconds of dialogue. James helps Franklin do reporting. Post-Guardian James finally groks his job. He shoots some powerful pictures, but that evening, someone shoots him.
0: And there you have it. Right, an action-packed episode, um, with, uh, you know, some moral points also in there. Um, but I confess that it was bothering me all through the episode, even though it didn't take up much of the episode, but it was bothering me All the way through what the deal was with the Fortress of Solitude. I was even questioning (laughs) whether it was the Fortress of Solitude or some other ice fortress, because where was Kallax, the uh, robot guardian or whatever, whatever it is, android guardian, and... That dumb key made of dwarf star material, I ask you. Um, okay, so it's a really heavy key, but all it took was some tech gloves for the hat, or just hat, to be able to pick it up and use it. I, I'm just, it's a shame that such a minor plot point was such a distraction for me all the way through the episode.
1: I had the same thought. It was in my recap for the same reason. Again, (laughs) nothing has good security. There is no such thing as a locked door in this universe. (laughs) The key thing is just so brutally traditional in Superman that that is the key to the Fortress of Solitude. It's always presented that way, that it's really heavy. Only Superman can lift it so that it's therefore protected. It never made any sense, and they just (laughs) keep it around for tradition. Mm -hmm. But the lack of Kellex is unexcusable.
0: After they made such a point of it the last episode, especially.
1: I have to say, while it did bug me, it wasn't that that bothered me the most. It was the fake-out of Manchester's death. That really bugged me.
0: I never understood why leaving the fortress was supposed to imply his immediate death anyway.
1: The implication is he went into the room that had the baby sun eater in it and no one would survive that room, certainly not a human. And therefore he didn't come back out of it right away, so he is dead. And kicker is, I think Hat gives the line, we really tricked them into thinking you walked into that sun eater room. I'm assuming that's a fourth wall breaking and he's talking to us (laughs) because the only people being tricked by the writing was us, because they created this argument, so Hat left. We never see the argument getting resolved, and we certainly see no evidence that they planned for Hat to come back and teleport Manchester back out of there. Yes, they fooled us. Thanks. You skipped a bunch of scenes that would have explained anything. <laughs> that's, that's actually what bugged me the most in this episode.
0: Well, I guess they did also fool the Super Friends, because Jean at least seemed to think that Manchester was dead and gone or at least gone um because he said you know he no no longer felt manchester's presence and he felt like a big weight had been lifted off of him
1: i suppose (laughs) all that i really come out of it is i think it's really fun that i get to say super friends so much
0: Yes, I'm I'm glad that they've actually used the words now, even though, of course, that takes me back to the Saturday morning cartoon with, uh, you know, Batman and Robin and Wendy and company. Um, (laughs) Or or the super, uh, what were the twins called? Zan and Jaina? Anyway, so, right. So I kept getting distracted by that, but other important, lots of other important things did happen during this episode.
1: (laughs) There's definitely a couple important things that happened in this episode. But to me, most of this was just a great little character piece for some of the characters. We get to see Alex and Brainy and a lot of people in James especially. Because this was, mm-hmm. shockingly, a great James episode. Yeah. And we see a lot of things happening there. Not much plot things actually move forward up until the end. I guess so. Um... They do show the nice bits of them slowly tracking down and capturing them one by one, and I kind of like that. That worked well in the show.
0: Hmm. Um. So the whole thing about Nia learning how to be a superhero was intriguing because she had been so reluctant before, and it seems like now she's made the decision. She's really trying to dive into it, and she's being... Super aggressive, and she is wearing her costume all the time that she possibly can. <laughs> and Jean Jones comments to Kara about this, and Kara says, She's just enthusiastic, he's off. And Brainy actually does comment on it to Nia. And, you know, we get the feeling that she sleeps in this costume. <laughs> the only time she works it takes it off is when she changes into work clothes at catco
1: her excuse breaking it in
0: yeah (laughs) you know i think she had been resisting it so hard that she just decided that total conversion is is you know maybe maybe she doesn't have much middle ground she's still going from one extreme to the other
1: it occurs to me i think it's still a bit sad that we don't get to see the real brainy as much for similar reasons or opposite Mm -hmm. reasons perhaps
0: yeah, um now can you remind me, does Hayes actually know that Brainy is an alien? She called him Agent Dobbs, I think.
1: Agent Docs, because his name is Coral Dox, I think.
0: Oh, okay. So so does she know that he's I, I don't know if he'd be classified as an alien, but certainly not human.
1: I'm operating on the assumption that she knows, but I don't know what the show's thinking. Mm-hmm. Given the interrogation she gave him, which apparently was really good, I have mm-hmm. difficulty believing that that and the fact that he is generally known as brainy and as uh, alien-like being from the future to most of the people in the organization.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just have great deal of difficulty believing that she doesn't know. But I don't know if there's going to be some scene in the future where she gets shocked by it. They could play that way, but they really shouldn't ye She should know
0: it just seems odd to me that with as bigoted as aliens as she is, she would be treating an artificial intelligence creature with whatever bio component he has so naturally, so you know she she just treats him as one of his age- one of her agents who happens to be smart, and I have a hard time believing that Hayes who has no problem torturing children to make them obedient uh, servants, would be so down with this, you know, robot guy.
1: If you want to view Haley as having two faces, this is all the nice face of Mm -hmm. her in this episode, except a bit when she's pressuring Lena.
0: She doesn't pressure Lena very hard, and she does make Alex do something that Alex doesn't want to do, but her arguments are persuasive to me (laughs) you know
1: yeah exactly this is a pretty reasoned Haley episode i'm Mm -hmm. kind of shocked that brainy wasn't fired it's possible she's okay with what he did given that generally she knows what's going on and the scene where she compliments alex on her doing a good job of putting aside her politics and doing her job walks up to brainy who entirely fails at doing that really in this episode And then compliments Mm -hmm. American Alien.
0: (laughs) Unless she thinks that Brainy set up American Alien as a uh, counter intel program to get inside the resistance movement. Although you'd think she would have wanted that to be discussed with her before Brainy went ahead with any such plan.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I would interpret this as she figured out what he was doing and for some reason is okay with it, but maybe she just didn't realize it. I don't know.
0: Or maybe she's just giving him enough rope to hang himself with. Which she
1: has done before, so she's hard to read, as they stated.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess we'll just have to keep watching to keep trying to figure out if there's some real... Plan behind her character, or if the characters are, or if the uh, writers are just yanking her around as a plot device as needed.
1: Maybe the writers are as baffled by her as we are.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. So I got distracted from what I was saying about <laughs> Nia <laughs> and how she is trying to be superhero e and um. Right, so there's the costume thing, there's also the how aggressively she's threatening prisoners and stuff with, you know, talk or I'll put this energy blast in your face. And uh, Supergirl says basically, ease off, And, and Nia says she thought being a superhero was about showing strength. And, of course, this made me groan because, you know, one of the things Supergirl has struggled with has uh, has been being a strong person versus being a strong battle puncher. <laughs> um, and, you know, Supergirl says, you know, she meant more showing strength by having your hands on your hips, which made me burst out laughing. Uh, standing arms akimbo... Maybe a favored comic's pose demonstrating strength, but I really don't think it means a lot in the real world, does it?
1: <laughs> it means posturing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I would think that ideally showing strength as a superhero would be uh, taking hard stands and standing by them, which we get to see some of in this show. Um But it's interesting that we're still having this dialogue about, you know, what being superhero strong means four seasons into this show.
1: I liked the dialogue where Nia says, yield or die. Kara says, (laughs) take it down to seven. Nia says, yield or else. It's (laughs) cute. It is a bit like they put on the costumes and then the campiness of the dialogue gets turned up to 11. (laughs) But still the part that bugged me was that Supergirl never questioned right after when Nia's aggressive, when John's aggressive. John is just as ag- aggressive in this episode, and he doesn't mm-hmm. get questioned at all. But Supergirl's frequently trying to change Nia's behavior. And maybe she trusts John, but I don't know. I just don't like how that came off.
0: Well, I think we see, you know, the characters didn't question him, but I think the show. Question him, in fact, because Manchester used Jean's aggression against him. Um, Manchester somehow projected his image onto a Children of Liberty and then challenged Jean to punch him over and over again. And so Jean beats up this facsimile of. Uh, of uh, Manchester, and then it turns out he was just beating up an ordinary human, you know, albeit a bigoted children of liberty human after all. And when he realizes this, the the he lets the agent of liberty run away, and he, Jean, is very upset that he's been used in this way to, uh, manipulated to beat up a... a A a non-superpowered person.
1: It was a strange scene in lots of ways. Mm -hmm. I was surprised that, given Manchester is clearly out for revenge against Ben, how much time he spends getting under John's skin. Now, what I think he used is, I think the rod was projecting his image onto the Child of Liberty. Mm -hmm. But I think the Child of Liberty guy also had the personal shield generator on him. Which is why I think he was able to take all those punches. Oh. So there's like hmm. a whole combination of technology being used to set that up. And it does allow Manchester to escape. So I kind of liked the mechanics of that scene. Like, it was an interesting use of technology as a means of distraction to escape. But just to note for this episode, they've entirely forgotten that John's a telepath.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Maybe maybe a Legion ring prevents mind reading from working on you, and maybe it also helps uh, dampen psychic dreams about you.
1: Yeah, but he could have read in Menagerie's mind what the plan was, and mm-hmm. he could have read the mind of who he was beating up to realize it wasn't Manchester. So there's a bunch of oddities in this episode that are all based on the fact that they show his eyes going red, which is usually the sign of I'm uh, being all telepathy, and it wasn't consistent at all in that he didn't seem to use his telepathy a single time in this episode, and I was disappointed by that.
0: Yeah, so there was that. Also in the not really doing a good job thing, uh, Alex got complimented because nobody died in the rally, but... um you know really things went to chaos and she was wading into personal battles which is fun to see but not really what the agent in charge of a detail should be doing uh you know it's only because people started helping each other that uh people didn't die in in the trampling if people had all stayed mad at each other uh there would have been deaths and so i don't i don't think Alex exactly deserves glory for uh <laughs> for what happened at the rally and counter protest.
1: She did her job at getting Ben out of there at the right time True. it could have been a lot. Oh, worse. Oh and
0: by the way, I was really expecting Ben to get murdered in the in the back hallways.
1: Oh yeah that, that was possible. yeah, they could have easily done that had they had they wanted yeah. to.
0: So so the show faked me out there, but it would have been a little early to have uh, had had a successful assassination against him anyway.
1: I did like the Ben asking, where's the threat? And Alex responds with, you are the threat. (laughs) And she did her job, because her job isn't to stop everyone from dying there, technically. Her job was mostly just to keep Ben safe, because if Ben dies, he becomes a martyr. That's
0: true. Her, Her stated assignment was to protect him. You're right.
1: It was Rainey's job. And his mm. <laughs> team, that was supposed to keep everyone else safe.
0: You're absolutely and, right. <laughs> oh my! Did he
1: not seem to be doing that job whatsoever? He seemed to just think that because I was the organizer of this rally, he can control two thousand people. Mm-mm. Ah! Yeah. But even then, I wouldn't really blame him. I would blame the fact that the police didn't have a line set up to stop yeah. the two groups from actually coming during direct contact. Right. And that was a failure of the writing, not anyone in the world, I suppose. Well, they shouldn't have been allowed in the building.
0: They should not have been allowed in the building. And I feel like whoever's in charge of the security detail, i.e. Alex, should have made sure that there was some kind of police cordon.
1: Yeah, but they needed the scene. And it's just this episode yeah. was, like the other ones recently, a little rushed. There's a huge amount in here, and there wasn't a lot of space.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, which is weird because we're in a 22 or 23 episode season, so I'm not sure why we need to rush things so much. But, uh, oh well, you know, I'd rather have a slightly rushed episode than a drawn-out episode where it feels like nothing is happening.
1: I don't know, I like classic Doctor Who, I'm okay with really slow...
0: (laughs) You wanted some more running through those back passages of the auditorium. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Oh dear.
1: (laughs) But that's an example of that, though, was everything to do about Manchester and Hat. Because they show this conflict between them. And I think it's because Hat wants to go save Menagerie and Manchester says he just wants to go kill Ben. Or it's just because Hat found some cool bits of technology in the Fortress of Solitude and Manchester went meh. Maybe that's what they were Mm -hmm. arguing about. It was unclear. And it was even more unclear how they made up. It
0: was very unclear how they made up. I liked the lines of argument that they started setting up with Hat being upset because they wanted, he says that they are supposed to be changing the world, not settling old scores. So I thought that was an interesting argument, but then they cut away from it. So yeah, that was disappointing.
1: And really, it's hard not to see taking out Ben Lockwood as part of the goal here.
0: Well... I think tactically that would be a mistake uh, because then, you know, he was enough of a martyr just being put in prison. If if the elite or or whoever actually killed Ben Ben Lockwood, he'd be a martyr for the alien haters forever. So I feel like that would be a tactical mistake on their part.
1: Maybe. I don't quite know what their goal is, but...
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) true.
1: If their goal is to have a war...
0: Well, Manchester's goal is to have a war. I'm not sure, you know, uh, Menagerie is just in it for the fun and chaos. I don't feel like we know Hat well enough to know what his goal is, although we've had some clues from his dialogue in this episode.
1: Well, Menagerie gets almost no lines except a couple talking about shoes. <laughs> and the Moray, not only does she not get any lines, but she's only given the name Mo, <laughs> which seems... Offensive to me, I don't know.
0: Uh, Given that she was raised apart from her culture, she probably doesn't know what a fitting name to give herself would be.
1: That's sad.
0: Yes. What else did you want to talk about?
1: I thought actually that regarding Healy and Lena, Mm -hmm. there's a couple things in there that are interesting. I think Healy actually pressured Lena a fair bit in that I don't think Lena takes pressure from anyone. And I really expected Lena to take more control of those conversations, and she didn't, and that just seemed a little strange. Now, maybe Lena knows she doesn't need to, and maybe Lena feels like what she's doing is important enough that she's not going to let her ego get in the way of things, but I was a little surprised by that conversation.
0: The vibe I got was that Lena felt like she didn't need to argue with Hayes because... The technology is not getting out there without her say-so. So so Hayes can yell, we want this stuff now, all she wants. But Lena is, uh, I'm pretty sure Lena would have locked down her tech enough before moving over to DEO that, you know, they can't just toss her out of the building and then go ahead with the procedure.
1: That's a fair interpretation.
0: So maybe she's just letting Hayes bluster herself out and and giving a big shrug.
1: It also seemed a little strange given the previous episode where we had Lena try a human trial and it didn't go well. But apparently a lot was learned from that, which should make later trials work. The work is not as far along as I expected. It felt a little bit like maybe Lena's being more gun-shy than I expected her to be. And it's okay. It was just a bit of a surprise to me.
0: I mean, she was definitely lying about we're not ready for human testing or else she feels more cautious about human testing on upstanding members of society and government agents than she did on a random off-the-street guy who was thinking about killing himself because he was guilty anyway, which does not say good things about Lena, (laughs) but I mean, uh, I, I mean, You know, obviously she's not telling Hayes that we already had a human trial and it was unsuccessful, but um, I, I think, I didn't feel like the show was forgetting that. I just felt like Lena wasn't sharing.
1: It's possible. I don't know which of those two interpretations is more accurate. I do hope we get a scene where Lena continues to try and exert some authority over what candidates actually do get the serum, so that'll be interesting to see
0: hmm Um, okay, so from Lena back to James again. Um right, so he gave a nice pep talk to Franklin about um uh, Franklin the the reporter, who I don't think we ever heard his name before. In fact I don't remember specifically seeing this guy before, but he could have been in
1: the background. Um We saw him in the scene where the reporter we don't like was making McKenzie. fun of him. Or, you
0: know, oh, dryad. that's who that is. Okay, right. You're right um, because he's a druid, and she put dryad? wood chips. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, well, I don't. Re- I thought it was druid, but maybe it was a <laughs> dryad. I don't. Know. Anyway, she she put wood chips in his coffee cup as a joke, and uh, nobody liked that. So you're right. He he had been an actual character before um but anyway james heard franklin on the phone with someone saying reassuringly uh but not super convincingly that you know it would be okay at the march he'd be safe uh and then james gave him a pep talk about how how much what we do as reporters matters uh because putting putting the truth out there you know uh can inform people and change minds and change the world. Um, So uh, he inspires, as he's inspiring um, Franklin, he inspires himself because he decides to actually go out there and be a journalist himself. Um, Hooray! And be a (laughs) photojournalist.
1: And really he gives a little speech that basically says, Guardian was a mistake
0: well he doesn't admit that but yeah it's it's pretty clear you know he said if you fight injustice with your fist you can help a few people but if you help people listen you can help millions so so yeah he doesn't in so many words say guardian was a mistake but it certainly seems like uh, a a a reference <laughs> if not a confession
1: <laughs> and in some regards that does kind of feel like a character arc closure for james so we'll see
0: yeah i hope that means we've seen the last of garden guardian not that i you know, minded having that character i just felt like it was the wrong thing for james to be doing all the time and if he has finally come to realize that that's a that's a good character
1: arc <laughs> Well, this may also be the last time we see James.
0: True. This may be their way of writing him out of the show. Um, uh,
1: Not likely. I mean,
0: it it seems unlikely, but, you know, maybe he'll be paralyzed for a few episodes or something. (laughs) Uh, I mean, we have to have a boss of CatCo. You know, we're not getting back Cat Grant. And I don't see them putting someone else in as CEO, but, but maybe. But, you know, anyway, James got shot in the back at the end of the episode. Uh, We didn't see who did it. It was the end of the night, and he was the last person, apparently, on the way out of the office. So, don't know if anyone will find him before tomorrow morning. Maybe maybe there are cleaners at CatCo that we've never seen before that will come in and find him. But anyway, big pool of blood. (laughs) You know, he's going to be out of action for a while anyway.
1: He may also still have his ability to signal for Kara. He may may be able to get attention quickly.
0: If he comes to for long enough for that. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I like the actor. I don't want to see him written out of the show, but they haven't been doing a lot of creative stuff with him. And, you know, if he can be more of a newsy element and they have more newsy elements in the show... That's fine, but you know, lately he's basically just been Lena's uh, uh, Lena's boyfriend and her throttled conscience. And since that's not his function anymore, they if you know if they want to keep having him, other than in little you know five second cameos, they do need to give him more of a role.
1: It'll become very self evident very quickly.
0: Yes. True. We'll know soon. Uh,
1: that I want to give a shout out to a couple of things that Brainy said, really in his okay. conversation with Supergirl. In some regards, I think the Brainy American alien plotline was a bit strange in that he really is horribly compromised and doesn't do his job. Mm-hmm. But they do give him probably the most important speech of the season, which is, I think, really answering the... Or might be answering the question we've asked before as to how are they going to win this season? And I really quite like that he got to deliver the speech. In times like this, change won't come from someone with a ring or a cape. It will only come when each one of us answer the calls to stand up and be heard. El Mayhara, stronger together. Mm-hmm. And that really does, I think, sum up what they're probably going to intend to do for this season—to show us that no, they can't punch their way out of this. They need to sway minds and have everyone come up. And that is mirrored later at the end of the episode with Kara and Alex, where Kara says that every action counts and every voice matters. There's a lot of position, I think, regarding how they're going to solve this problem this season is how they're going to change minds.
0: Right. I liked that a lot, too. I also liked how they handled Supergirl's decision here in this episode because, you know, although in a tactical sense she may have been right that she needed to be on patrol uh, trying to keep the peace, in a strategic sense um, being there with the marchers and showing herself, you know, identifying herself with the oppressed refugees rather than the uh, uh, law enforcers may indeed help change more minds about uh, who who we need to fear.
1: Yeah, unlike the previous episode where I think Supergirl spent a lot of time not being very reasonable. She is mm-hmm. pretty reasonable most of this episode. And I agree with yes. you. I, I saw her options and they were both reasonable options. And they have the scene with Quentin changing her mind where he, after being saved by her once still is yelling for all the aliens to go home, and when Supergirl tries to talk to him, he says to her, They're not like you, you're a superhero. And that of course right. being the motivator for her.
0: Right, right. That's that's a trope among racists of uh, making exceptions for a few people, um, uh, and saying, Oh, I I don't mean, you know, you, uh, you know, outstanding scholarship student who doesn't want to be sent away from the only home she's ever known. You know, I, I, I mean all those other uh, illegal immigrants. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, or you know, lots of examples that we could pick like that. Of you know, th- there are people who are you who you don't feel threatened by, but you're an exception because you know, I, the racist, know you. It's all these other members of your group that I uh, hate and fear and want to control and banish. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's a common trope. It was nice to see it played out in this way. Um, you know, not... Not everyone is going to have an instant revelation. Uh, I mean, Ben Lockwood certainly (laughs) has not and will not. Um, But, you know, some people's minds can be changed that way. So it was encouraging to see a mind be changed (laughs) on this episode and possibly some more instead of just the constant evil bigots and good, oppressed aliens.
1: It is interesting because they can't have... Ben Lockwood actually change heart for any the time he gets rescued by Supergirl. They therefore introduce another character. Yes. Primarily for the purpose of showing that that arc is possible. It's just Ben's mm-hmm. not going to do it.
0: Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I thought that was a valuable example to have. Ben is, you know, probably the most articulate uh, anti-alien activists. Um. But, yeah, it's, it's useful to show that You know, we're not going to change his mind ever, but there are other people with whom dialogue and conversation and changes of heart are possible. So you don't just give up on talking to people.
1: Yeah, and this episode then gives us some hope for the rest of the season.
0: Yes. Well, although it was an action-packed episode, I think that's about all that I had that I wanted to discuss. Are there any other points that you wanted to discuss?
1: No, I think that wraps it up relatively well. I have suspicions that we will be seeing uh, Lex Luthor pretty soon. And we'll see how that plays out as we still have Manchester Black out and there's going to be superpowered armies soon. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, more things hit the fan.
0: Yes, yes, definitely, you know, an interesting episode, polished off a few plot lines but advanced others and you know continuing to open up possibilities for the future, which I will be interested to see what they do next. Okay, well uh, I would like to thank you of course for another interesting discussion about this show. Happy to be here. And I'd like to thank our audio editor for polishing <laughs> what we say and making us sound better. Um, I'd like to thank uh, the Incomparable for hosting us. And I'd like to thank you, the listener. If you would like to continue the discussion with David or me, you can find us on Twitter at sg supercast or on the Incomparable Slack channel uh, for member subscribers uh, on the TV channel, T-E-E-V-E-E. We look forward to hearing from some of you, and we look forward to seeing what the rest of the season brings. Thanks!
1: Bye-bye.